0: to the show. Thank you for being here. I'm very, very excited for our next guest. Our guest on the show is my friend Kelly Kalen. And Kelly has a unique perspective on this whole topic. And when it's a child struggling to deal with the loss of a parent to suicide, there are things that you might want to know to say and things you might want to know not to say. And so without further ado, we're gonna go into that world with Kelly. So Kelly, feel free to come into the studio. Don't we love the power of technology? So here we go. Coming up, aha, the power to give her the ability to take and put her camera on. Let's see um there she is Ta-da! hey we found hey. you
1: hello how are you today
0: i am awesome how are you today
1: i'm doing very well thank you a little bit nervous but i'll be all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i will be honest you have an amazing microphone setup that's pretty well, cool.
1: thank you yeah. as long as you can hear me it's great if you can't hear me it's not worth <laughs> the metal it's made with
0: <laughs> well that's true and, and so behind the scenes of a show, the rule is people will forgive challenging video. They will not forgive challenging audio. So microphones matter in my world. All right, so Kelly, it, now that we have shared our technology tip of the day, <laughs> get a good microphone. <laughs> you know, we met because I was speaking on somebody else's show, being interviewed on somebody else's show. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is happening more and more as we're going into the virtual world. But when we met, you wanted to talk all about your business and your business had nothing to do with this particular mission at that moment in time, as far as being so precisely focused. Now that you're more focused in, and you are very focused in, this concept of loss is a big one in this world. And it's a really broad topic that we're going to start out by bringing it down to this really narrow focus and, and we'll broaden it out again. So the broad topic is loss Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, and it's any kind of loss because we know that change leads to loss. Any change requires that you let go of something else. And there's a great song about that. You know, you say yes to one and leave the other behind. (laughs) Yeah, But then there's grief from losing someone you care about. And then there's the grief of a child losing a parent. And then there's the grief of a child whose parent took their own life. Yes. What brought you to that point, to that
1: focus? Take us there. I, I think that. I think that it is a final. It's a, there's a finality to the taking of a life that is reached through a series of. I don't know if you want to say perfect alignment of certain things that we have in our life. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, I was listening to Cindy a little while ago when she said, we don't feel our feelings. And it's so true. We don't connect with ourself. And so when we don't connect with ourself and we're looking to the outside world for who we are and the way we should feel and the way we should be and the way we should look we really do ourselves a huge disservice and you take, go ahead.
0: I'm, I'm going to ask you to pull okay. this back because right. you are describing a, a circumstance that a lot of people deal with. They, 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 if they're blessed to be given self-awareness, then there's an awareness of, oh crap, I'm living my life according to everyone else's rules. Many of us never get to the point of self-awareness just at that level. So let's peel it back, though, to you were how old when this first became part of your reality?
1: 18. I was in my second semester in college, and um, and my mother took her life in, in a cold January day, um, shortly well, after I- her- 40th birthday.
0: How did that day start for you? Take us to that day.
1: You know, it was just a normal Friday, uh, really. Um, I, You know, you go to classes, you come back. It was kind of a cold, blustery, nasty day, or evening, I should say, and uh, where I, I was going to school at Texas Tech, which was is in Lubbock, Texas, and some people had gone out to get the beer, which they had to go way out of town because it was, I don't know if it's still dry, but it was then. And so we had open doors in our, our, on our uh, floor. Uh, I was in a co-ed dorm, so there were guys and girls there. And we were just hanging out, having a great time you know um kind of moving from room to room and just enjoying each other's company and other people from other floors come by we were known as the zoo so we always had a party going on and so we had actually had a party going on and um that's really all i remember until i started walking down this hallway and it's it had those cinder block bricks um You know, they were kind of gray and boring and stuff like that. And I was noticing those. And that's when I had a moment of knowing, um, of just a full moment of knowing and feeling what my mom was going through at that time. And I felt right before she died, as she died, and immediately after. And I knew she was dead. And it was that much, it was, there was a visual um, and visual and feeling and knowing that came with that and that I knew the pain she was in and the depth of her despair and hopelessness. And in that moment, I understood what, what she had done and why.
0: So it wasn't that you got a phone call. In, in the sense of a physical phone ringing
1: nope. it
0: was you had a knowing
1: I uh, yeah I felt it she was about 1100 miles away and um yeah it's, I knew I learned right then time and space are are uh, illusions they don't really exist they're an illusion because I was right there with her when this happened and um yeah uh it was um I, there's really no words because it, first it was just kind of like, oh, okay, that just happened. Wait, what? And wait, my mom's gone. And then it hit me. It was probably two or three minutes after this occurred because it was just such a unique moment in time for me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to like digest that moment Before I could even get to the point of what the moment was telling me. And, you know, and then there was so much information in it. There was so, it was so visceral. It was so complete that there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that my mother had just killed herself.
0: What happened next?
1: I don't think I remember that. Um, when you realize someone you love is either dead, even if they haven't killed themselves. um, But when you realize something like that, I, I think your whole system goes into this overload of information of, I don't, it just was like, how, how, how do I reconcile this? Because there is a shift in a relationship with a suicide. Um, you think you have one relationship and when they kill themselves, you realize you didn't have that type of a relationship. You had a different relationship, but it wasn't the one you thought you had. And right. how do you reconcile that? And how do you reconcile that they're gone? And how do you reconcile that they just took their life? And my mother was in California. I was in Texas. How do I deal with this? I'm 18 how am I supposed to deal with this? I think you just go into, I, I feel like it was just a spritz, like a everything just went into overload.
0: Did you have a moment of doubt going, wait, that can't be true? I
1: what? think the biggest doubt was on um, what I had just sensed and felt. Like, and that was the, that was the thing, you know, it was just like, wait, that just happened. And it, it's an internal event like that, or an event that comes like that is more real to me than, than, you know, actual living in the 3D. It's more visceral. It's more true. There's a knowing that comes with it. And. That I had to reckon, that's what I'm saying. It took me a few minutes to just go, did that really happen? And this new knowing inside of me that knew there was no doubt that this feeling and this knowing just happened and that my mom was dead. There was no doubt, none whatsoever. When I got the call a couple of days later, I just simply said, I know.
0: Wow. So you sat with the knowing, but not knowing, not knowing in a 3D, what we would call reality sense for two days.
1: Right. I called and called and called and tried to get a hold of her, and there was never any answer. And so, I mean, it was just, it was grasping at straws. I mean, I remember that feeling. It just felt like, you know, please answer, just please just answer your phone.
0: Please answer. That's probably the single cry of anyone who's lost someone to suicide. Yeah. Is the please answer.
1: Please answer. Please answer. So there was no answer. There was no answer. And there hasn't been to this day. Um, I've never... You know some people say that their loved ones come to them in dreams and different ways and she never did she never did for me um i never had that experience i would have loved to have had that experience but it's not something that i guess i got i got the experience of knowing when she passed and there were some blessings in that by the way how's that I never asked why she did it. I knew I could feel the pain. I never asked how she could do it. How could she do it? How, how could she leave me? How could she leave my sister and my dad, even though they were divorced? Because I could tell that she couldn't see past this. Like there was this gray, this day I can see it, this gray wall between her and everything else. And all she was sitting with, all she had was the pain and the hopelessness and the despair and the coldness. That's, that's all she had. She couldn't see past that. She couldn't see me. She couldn't see anything beyond that.
0: That's an amazing description, Kelly, of what it is like for someone at the moment that they take the action. Mm -hmm. And this is um, consistently what we hear. When someone says, why would you do that? The only answer that I've ever had that ever made sense was the one that says, because it seemed like the best or sometimes the only idea at the time. Mm -hmm. So you're, receiving that knowledge kept you out of where most people go with survivor guilt is what i'm hearing
1: yes now no i did live with guilt extreme guilt um it it didn't take the guilt away um there's still plenty of guilt i felt however there were questions i already had answered
0: ah got it okay so, so there were questions you already had answered. And that makes a difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That makes a difference. It, it certainly does. With your mom's passing, what happened next?
1: As far as me, um, as yeah, far I mean, as...
0: Ha- two days later, you got the phone call.
1: Yeah.
0: We, we kind of assumed that all of the normal things, like going home, occurred. But I don't know if you stayed in college or went home.
1: So- no, I, um, we went home. We went to California, which is where my mother was. Um, mm-hmm. Had the funeral um, and buried her. Um, making, again, um, my whole life, my mom looked to me to make help her make big decisions. And I had to make very very adult decisions mm-hmm. in a very vulnerable and a very young state I was very young um, I mean how do you bury your mom how do you bury your mom when you're 18 how do you bury your mom when you're 18 she committed suicide how do you deal with that how do we I mean we there was all the you know All the legal stuff that had to be dealt with and all those, um, all the decisions of do we bury or do we cremate or what, you know, how do we go about doing this? And they all came to me for those answers. Um, My dad looked to me for those answers. And so I made a lot of very adult decisions um, very early on. And um, that, that was a painful way to start, start that.
0: It's really interesting because according to the law at 18, we're adults. What we now know about brain development is that our part of our brain that can rationalize and make decisions isn't fully developed until we're over 24. Mm -hmm. And there was a comment in the chat that said, you know, you were 18, how could you feel responsible? And the reality is that two-year-olds feel responsible for the emotions of other people and the Mm -hmm. emotional states of other people. We live in such a world of emotional projection where we give the power, what I call an emotional remote control. And we assume that other people are responsible for how we feel and that we are responsible for how other people feel. And our emotions are the only things that propel us to action. And so you got asked, to be the adult, which is once we're over 25, 25 or older, supposedly our rational mind is part of a decision-making process. Mm -hmm. But you were making adult decisions without that structure in place. And yeah, it's a lot on an 18-year-old. But you hit it on the head, Kelly. It's a lot on any age. When someone in your family takes their own life, It impacts everyone with this sense of being responsible in some way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. even if it is simply the, how could I not have seen this coming as though it's our job to intervene. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot here to unpack as far as where does the combination of grief and guilt start getting unpacked? So that you
1: can move forward in your life? It was probably 10 years later. Um, I talked to my dad. Um, the last couple of phone calls I had had with my mom were um, sketchy, <laughs> might have been a good word for him. Um, and I had the feeling something might happen. But then again, You know, I knew at nine years old when a a friend of someone, uh, a friend's mom killed herself, I had the feeling that, actually I had the knowing that my mom was going to kill herself. No basis for it, nothing, just a knowing. And so about 10 years later, I talked to my dad about it and I said, you know, um, I feel like I knew mom was going to kill herself. And I feel really bad and horrible about it. And I feel like I could have done something about it. And my dad told me that my mom had used suicide attempts as a way to gain attention for many, many years. And she used it to manipulate as well. And that helped me start to heal from my guilt, my pain, in the knowledge that she had made these choices and made this choice over and over and over again. And whether she actually meant to die that last time, I don't know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, It could have been another call for attention. Um, However, when you start playing with this, you know, there's a good chance that eventually you're going to succeed one way or another. And I think that that's what happened with my mom. So, and it narrows your choice, like you were saying earlier. I think that she really literally had the choice to live with the pain or just go.
0: You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and there's so much here we can unpack and a lot of philosophical things that we can do. Mm -hmm. I am an advocate for staying. I'm just saying. Me as well. I'm also very much aware that when you're dealing with major emotional or major physical pain, and it was an animal, we would not force them to live with the pain. With humans, we've pretty much struggled with this on a a moral level, and we're not gonna go too deep into that, but I wanna just uh, make people aware, we know there's a huge moral, ethical, conversation that could be had around suicide. You know, the reality is once upon a time, it was a crime against the village. And the reason that it was, was because once one person takes their own life inside a village, they're giving tacit approval for everyone who knows them to make the same choice. And it's one of the things that we are seeing more and more happening especially among certain groups where like entire basketball teams in high schools are being decimated by suicide. You know, one student takes their life and and then there's fallout from that. It is that crime against the village that we're seeing happening. And thanks to the internet and the news media, we are now much more aware that this is happening. We're In this conversation, I'm going to shift from the preventative, which is where I spend most of my time, into this post-event. So you experienced the post-suicide loss from your friend's mother. I did. And then you experienced it again with your mom. Yes. It's not something you want to have practice in. (laughs) No. But it is something that you had practiced. And and yet that did not in any way prevent it from being 10 years before you talked to your dad about it Mm
1: -mm.
0: and started unpacking the grief from the guilt.
1: Yes. And the stigma.
0: So, well, there we go. Now we got three steps. We got the grief, the guilt, and the stigma. So if someone's listening to this, Kelly, and they are dealing with the loss of a parent from suicide or from a family member. What is the first step in unpacking the grief, guilt, stigma cocktail?
1: Oh, um, I think it can be as varied as the individual, you know, first you don't really know what to do. Uh, you don't know what you need. You don't know which direction to go. You don't know. Um, you really don't know what to unpack first. Like you, you are literally reeling that shock it's like uh you you've just got you've got an overload of things and so breathing step one um, ex- yeah
0: treat yourself as if you're in shock
1: yes because you are okay you are in shock and it becomes it changes a lot it changes what you perceive as important in your life a lot of things become very important unimportant very quickly
0: Ooh, I can believe that
1: very quickly. And then, so then what's important, what becomes important in your life? Well, healing for one thing, but also your relationships with the people around you. And so the first thing I do with people, someone who's reeling is, you know, getting some sort of Movement in your life. If you don't have, if you're not exercising, if you're not moving, you need to move. You need some sort of movement. And so, I usually recommend something like a ten-minute walk every day, just something to move your body. Got it. Um, it quiets the mind, which is one of the things that we really need uh, when we are reeling from from something like this. So any movement, any exercise really helps quiet the mind. As your mind starts to quiet, you can start parsing out the pieces a little bit and dealing with the things that you need to deal with right now. Like I had to deal with burying my mother. I had to deal with all the legal questions. And I was able to kind of parse out those pieces so that For a few minutes, I could deal with that. And then I could turn around and I could cry more. Um, So it's really about kind of teasing out the pieces. What can you deal with right now? What can you release right now? And so that's one thing. The other thing is, um, as Cindy said, we don't feel our feelings. And you kind of got to sit with them and feel them before you can deal with them otherwise you're just burying them um and if you bury them they come out anyway and usually in a very um inappropriate manner Mm -hmm. and so it's really about sitting with yourself and getting and getting to know what those feelings are like Cindy said I think therapy um, a counselor I think those are all very good ideas if you can find the right one they weren't options for me at the time and so I didn't have the the availability of those but someone to help you continue to kind of unwrap these pieces and start working with them and being okay to work with them and being okay to feel the grief the shame the stigma all all of the pain um and then learning not to resist it because we actually increase our pain exponentially, like by a long shot, because of our resistance to it. And boy, do we resist this pain. I know I did for a long time. And so those are just kind of some initial things to take a look at in how we can start teasing apart the pieces of this kind of, it's a it's complex set of feelings and emotions and circumstances because there's so many pieces to to it
0: It sounds like there's a lot of pieces to it and the pieces are different depending on the age of the child
1: and the and even the individual Mm. Um, you can have twins and they could suffer a loss like this and they're going to be dealing with it differently
0: I love the comment in the chat that you can be an expert at not feeling Mm
1: -hmm. and you don't
0: have to have a major trauma in your life to be an expert at not feeling.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: So when you're the one supporting someone who's had this kind of loss, the same, I think steps work really, really well. Kelly, I love the way that you laid them out, that the first step is just recognizing that they're in shock. They may not appear to be in shock, but they're in shock. So taking a walk with them without any expectation of conversation sounds like the next logical step. Am I on the right track?
1: Yeah, it's a, that's actually really beautiful is to be with them without having to have words. That's actually really lovely and difficult for a lot of people to do. Uh, we don't know how to grieve. We're mm-hmm. not taught that. We're taught to always be happy and put on our shiny happy face and present to the world your best self. And yeah, we don't um, we don't allow ourselves to know how to grieve, and we really don't know how to help someone else grieve. We don't know how to appreciate what they're going through, and that it may be a day and it may be twenty years. And so, allowing people to to really go through that process and to support them through that process and grieve for yourself is -hmm. something that we really need to learn. Again, feeling those feelings.
0: Yeah. Feeling those feelings is really important and allowing other people the space to feel without words Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: so key. I love that you said that because the emotions reside in the limbic brain, which doesn't have language. And so it just acknowledging that, is absolutely crucial and you know it's this is one of those conversations where I go from cold to hot to cold to hot so yeah that's what the wrapping and unwrapping is um when it comes to the resilience the ability to thrive the ability to grieve into the ability to thrive because I'm I'm hearing that there's some missing pieces that people try to um And maybe they're not maybe they're not missing we just have them misnamed the journey kelly Mm -hmm. that a family goes on when someone in their life is suddenly missing and it does not matter the season of the year the loss is the loss Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and so while we're on this particular topic of the loss within families Mm -hmm. We're gonna pull it really tight for people and go, hey, if this is you, we want you to know. What do you want them to know?
1: It's okay that you're hurting. It's okay to feel the hurt. And it's also a very personal journey. Many people aren't gonna know what to say. Um, they will not come by you because they're afraid that they might say something wrong or that they're uncomfortable. Mm. Um, they don't realize how excruciating that is for you, um, or for me at the time. And your journey is very personal and it will take you the time that it takes. And don't let somebody tell you, you should be over it. Because you will deal with this in your way and in your own time. And quite frankly, I don't think we get over suicide. We move past it. We deal with it the best that we can. But as you can see, I was crying talking about my mom. My mom died 40 years ago. We don't get over it. We move through it. And there is still those vestiges, the, the sadness, there's a, what's, what I'm left with is a very deep sadness that my mom didn't stay around to live a longer life with us. And so know that, know that that's going to be part of your journey and it's all okay. And don't push down the feelings. Don't try to cover up the feelings a lot of us move to drinking or drugs or something to try to massage the pain it's not going to go away like that it's only going to go away by you sitting with it feeling it and then deciding what to do with it and so my work helps people move through that process so it doesn't get buried
0: disability ability to okay we're going to have the two conversations because there are two groups of people here there are the people who are experiencing experiencing have experienced the loss within their family to suicide and then there are the people who are the support that we're the other people okay? mm-hmm. we're the other people and we we don't know what to do but I got a list now from listening to you and I want to run it by you. And then I want to talk about how to flip it. Cause you know, I believe that our brains, our subconscious doesn't recognize a negative, but the list I came up with is if you are the support person for someone else, don't avoid them, please. So that was the first one I heard from you. I heard the excruciating pain of people avoiding you, not just avoiding the topic, but avoiding contact. Mm -hmm. So the flip of that, stay in contact.
1: Yes, be there, just be there and let them know that you're there and do things. Like if you know that their lawn is, if you see their lawn is getting too high, mow the darn thing, ask them if they wanna go to the store with you or if you can get them something and be proactive in it because really truly someone who is in that place that initial place doesn't know what they need and so if you can gently support them picking up the kids from school things like that make a huge difference because sometimes just getting out of bed to take a shower can be everything they can do
0: okay so i'm going to frame that for, for me as one is just be there. Be Second there. is offer, not ask. Offer. Instead of asking, what can I do to support you? Offer to do something that you can observe needs to be done. So that be they're lovely. not making decisions. Yes. Cool. All right. So now the th- next one I came up with was don't probe. They're already in pain. I heard you talking about that. Nobody knows what this pain is like for someone else. And so I I felt that it was like, don't probe. There's no reason to try to get them to talk.
1: No, um, you don't need to believe me. They're going to talk about it. They need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. It's a way of processing through because we've got so much jumble going on inside being able to talk it through in, in maybe 5,000 times. Um, and so being able to talk it through with someone who's just willing to listen, don't try to fix it. Just be there. Just hold them, offer them a cup of tea. Just if they can be heard, that's probably the best thing that you can do for them Mm -hmm. is just to really be there and hear them.
0: All right. So just listen,
1: just listen,
0: just listen. Awesome. All right. So just be there. Be proactive, um, offer, not ask, Mm -hmm. just listen. And the other one I came up with listening to you was don't should on them as you should do this, or you should do that
1: hmm.
0: What can we do to make that a positive? So there's not the word don't in it.
1: I would say support them in whatever it is they think they need at the moment. Offer things like offer to go for a walk, offer. It, offer what you think might be supportive offer to help them find oh. a counselor if they need it that would be so welcome
0: okay so offer anything that you think they should instead of telling them they should just mm-hmm. offer it just offer it with no attachment to them with doing
1: no that. attachment
0: <laughs> that's yeah. what i'm hearing in a big way from you yeah. is no I- attachment
1: Absolutely realize that when, when we're going through that, there's so much going on that sometimes we can't even process words. We can't process your words. Your should just puts a heavier weight on Uh and we're already very, very weighed down. And what we, what we need is for someone to lift pieces off of us. You can't lift the emotional pieces off. We have to process through those, but you can be there and allow us to talk and allow us to process through a little bit more um, that way. You know, things like chores, the 3D things, the support for the lawn or going to the grocery store, picking up the kids or fixing something you know has gone wrong or anything like that to help support that. Those are the things you can support him.
0: Oh, that's really beautiful. And it is the practical things that matter at that moment. Yo. The practical side of grief is really important. So let's go there for just a minute because when I wrote the tagline for this whole mission, that suicide is certainly serious and we believe that suicide prevention can be seriously fun. I got a lot of pushback that I would put suicide prevention and fun in the same sentence. And I realized that just like there are two groups of people that you're talking to, those who are experiencing the loss and those who are supporting those who've experienced the loss. There's also the groups of people whose lives have been touched by suicide And I'm a firm believer that if your life has been touched by suicide, you're no longer in the realm of prevention. You're in the realm of intervention. And as soon as you can get some intervention, which we bring to this show, these comments, this Mm -hmm. conversation helps with this, then this is your truth. If there's anyone around you and then are the people whose lives haven't been touched. And that's the part of what we do here on the show that is often so misunderstood, is we're looking for the tools and the tips and the tricks that help you be resilient, that help you bounce, not break, because we think that's your birthright, is mm-hmm. to be able to handle life by bouncing through it and not breaking from it. So helping people come through this grieving so that they come out the other side with the better ability to bounce, Kelly once the reeling is over and they're dealing with the reality of life again what are some things they can do to help them build their own resilience
1: well first of all not burying their feelings Uh, really learning to feel what's going on in their body, we are conditioned and taught not to feel living from the, you've heard it, living from the neck up, these types of things. And we pay attention to our bodies only in how we might feel at the moment as far as physically, not necessarily our feelings. Mm Mm-hmm hurt or something like that. Otherwise we jam in whatever food we want to jam in. We sit, we don't move. We all the things that we don't support our body in. Um, we really want to step into some very healthy, healthy habits. And one of them is the connection and the relationship with yourself. And that includes all of you. It includes all your feelings, um, all those things that we want to bury and not feel. And so that's one of the things I think is really super important is that connection with ourselves. I'm
0: just laughing like crazy because Mm -hmm. as soon as you started talking about the connection between the body and the emotions and stuff, it was like, oh, wait a minute, I've got all of these tense muscles in my core right now. And it's like, I could just release that. (laughs) And and so the simple, even just you speaking about be aware of the connection to your body, you know, and it's not so complicated for me, but in this moment, it wasn't about what's the emotion that goes with this tenses. It was just, oh, I've got tension. Let it go.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We hold, hold our emotions and we we hold our body through our muscles, through the the things that we've learned, through our emotions, and we hold our body. We actually, a lot of us are holding it like this. Um, and so we hold our body in a way that's not healthy for our body. But that's like a whole, that's a whole nother thing. That's, that's,
0: a, whole other thing. that's so- a
1: whole nother thing. That's a whole. Things So yeah, that, that connection with self is one of the things that's going to help people with their resiliency, because knowing who you are and being comfortable in that, knowing what your boundaries are, knowing what's important to you, what your values are, and these types of things, really super important to you being able to stand on a foundation that is solid for you. All right. I'm going to
0: ask you the hard question. All right. When your mom passed away, what impact did that have on your values, on what's important to you?
1: Oh, it changed everything.
0: Because it's now it's a lot later. What stayed different from where you were to where you are now?
1: So when you lose someone and they're important in your life, we've gone we live a life of just going, moving, doing the next thing, doing the next thing, doing the next thing. And we lose our focus for the things that are of value and important in life. Like, I don't feel like I cherished my mother, mm-hmm. especially in the last few years, you know, as a teenager and stuff, <laughs> I don't, I didn't cherish my mother. Yeah. And that is part of what made the guilt and losing her very difficult. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I learned from that was to cherish those around me really every day, because you don't know how long they're going to last. The gift is the time we have together. And we know that's transient. We know it. And so if you can focus on what's important, what's important, seriously, what's important? It's each other. We are important to each other. That's important. The the fact that the garbage gets put out on time, or maybe we run to the grocery store and pick up a few things from dinner, or we move on to the next thing, we go be with our friends, or whatever it is we think is important in the moment. Is it really? What's really important? What do you cherish and what matters the most to you? That was the primary lesson I came out of as far as the change in my values. And those value, that value shifted all the others. Because in that moment, I'm going to tell you the most important thing in my life was my mom. And she's now gone. And so when we take the time to get to know ourselves, really know ourselves and that connection with ourselves, then we start going, okay, what's really important to me? Well, you're important to me. My animals, my the people around me, the friends that I have, my family, the the people that I interact with every day. We are beautiful, magnificent beings. And we really do shelf that a lot for just busyness, being on our phones. Can't tell you how many people I well, before COVID, I'd see groups of people sitting at a table together and they're all on their phones. They're communicating. But they're really not connecting
0: we live in a very interesting time because what we were seeing prior to the i call it the covid cocoon and if someone's listening to this and this time has passed in history just recognize that this was a unique time in history we are living in a very unique time it's the first time outside of the biblical story of the flood that we are having one common global human experience and so it is changing the fabric of our world and thank god we have a technology that allows us to do things like this event so the beauty of this moment inside this cocoon is that we came out of the obliviousness to the impact of our lack of connection, what you were describing, everybody at the table. You know, and cultures had started to realize it was a problem. In China, they had dinner tables where you had to put your cell phones under the soup in order for it to heat up the soup. Yeah, and so everybody's cell phones were into powering the the heating up the soup because what child would want their a parent to eat cold soup? Yeah, so they they played upon their cultural memes in order to create an opportunity to come out of this. You know, screen time. COVID did that for us. It woke us up to the lack of connection in a very strong, very powerful way. What you're describing is something that we can take forward with us that what's truly important being able to ask the question what's really important to me today and if it's not about something that's alive another human being multiple human beings your animals yeah then stop and ask why is what i'm getting from you what's so important about that versus a human or an animal connection and I'll leave animals in there yeah
1: you know, <laughs> I call them people so they're yeah. just you know tree people and animal people and human people it's just all people yeah my,
0: my my yeah I have my kids I have my grandkids and then I have my grand fur babies so yes. yeah we we understand these things the the reality is that i think you've hit upon something really really important and it is that we get a chance to stop right now don't have to wait for the loss to occur we can stop right now and ask that question
1: absolutely
0: what's really important to me today kelly is just to say thank you so very very much for being willing to share your story, to be open and honest and to be willing to do the work that you are doing because you're walking into a world that is so um, isolated and lonely, which is the experience of a child who's lost their parent to suicide or someone who's lost a family member to suicide and your willingness to use your own experience and to share that and to help make other people's journeys just a little bit easier. It's something I just want to say thank you for.
1: Mm, Thank you. Awesome.
0: Oh, I almost forgot. Okay. So we have, um, something and i'm going to trust katie to find the links and to get it into the chat for everybody uh because i know that she has it for me aha there we go everybody needs a katie in the background so (laughs) there we go all right and it oh what a wonderful thing okay so that the uh oh i see all right so we're going to turn that into a hyperlink for people um that's a lovely website you came up with, tsp.thesunstillshines.org. Thank you. Okay. So this is the ability to go on a visualization with Kelly's guidance. And that's such a lovely gift because I know that when it comes to managing energy and tuning in and trusting the internal guidance system, the, there's no such thing as too much help in that arena. So there we go. I think that it's wonderful. And so I really, really appreciate everything that you are doing. Um,
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's, fun. it's a, it's a lovely visualization um, and it will help support you in getting to know yourself a little bit better. Uh, One of the things that we do that we really don't know, and um, we pull in other people's energies, and then we act and feel like they are our own, and it becomes uh, very weighted. And so this visualization, one of the things that it does is help release the energies that are no longer serving you, and that lightens your load.
0: Well, there we go. We are all about lightening the load, lightening things up. And this is a gift for everyone. It is not specific to grief and loss. It is one of the wonderful things about the people who come on this show is you all bring us the tools that we need to bounce, not break. So this comes under the heading of, it's good for you, do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you again, darling. Have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you, Jackie. It's been a privilege to be on here with you.